Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. Welcome back, everybody, to the Mary Jane Experience podcast. I am Casey Jones, alongside Strawberry Sequoia. This week, we have kind of an interesting podcast, um, not related to coronavirus, which everybody's covering. We're going a completely different route here. Uh, this week, we spoke to Dr. Ellen Weeb about the use of cannabis for treatment of various uh, pain conditions. Strawberry Sequoia, that's about as far as I'm willing to go without butchering <laughs> the information. So I'll let you take it from here. Who'd you talk to? What'd you talk about? Yeah, so Dr. Ellen Weeb, she's she focuses her work now. She's a doctor, obviously. She focuses her work now on abortions and assisted dying, which she actually claims are very similar in that they're basic human rights that people are denied access to. Here, here. Yeah, so, you know, a little controversial. Might have just split the room with that one. Yeah, you either love <laughs> it or you hate it, you know? So um, that's kind of what that is. But through her work and research, she's done some pretty interesting things. She's globally renowned for killing off sexual health myths. myths that's a tough word. With science. It's only four letters. <laughs> it's, you know, anyway. I have a slippery mouth. This um, slippery mouth? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Quarantine, am I right? All right, let's but, bring it down now, kids. Anyway. But yeah, so a lot of her research involves cannabis. Initially, she wanted to find out if it could help with menstrual pain. And then she wanted to find out if it could help with medical abortion pain, which is apparently very similar to menstrual pain. Got it. Um, and then finally, she wanted to figure out if cannabis really does enhance sexual pleasure like people claim. She just wanted to get the science behind it. So we interviewed her about all of her studies and research and her experiences in the medical field. She's a hardcore feminist and human rights activist. She's just absolutely wonderful. So we're really fortunate to have gotten her. And I'm excited to share this information. I would say whether or not you are a fan of the idea of assisted dying or abortions, I still think that it's really interesting information. So just try and hold back your biases here and, and just listen. Yeah, I guess we do have to preface this one with, listen, we are pro these things. If you are against them, that is totally fine. You have that right as a human being. But we're here really more just to discuss the scientific facts between how or about how cannabis might help with these things that you know, is it, it's it's a part of life. Yeah. So, um, but we definitely back, started, relax. and we talked the most about her studies um, with cannabis and sexual pleasure. So. So if you're quarantined and you're looking for something to do. <laughs> I mean, I think we anyway. all kind of already know. <laughs> all I know is that porn sales have gone up like cannabis sales have gone yeah, up. Yeah, um, so. sex toys are, sex are toys? like, they yeah, can't keep well. them on the shelves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Telecommunicating and dildos, that's that's the business to be in right now. Anyway, uh, we're going to, all, all light aside, this is an extremely interesting uh, discussion with, a again, a doctor, so great information. Um, so we're just going to let this interview play through. We think it's a great conversation that Strawberry had uh, with Dr. Ellen. Um, so again, sit back, relax. 
have a little bit of an open mind here. I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you're probably open-minded anyway. Um, and yeah, here's the discussion with Dr. Ellen Weeb. But first, as always, we got to keep the lights on. This week's episode is actually brought to you by us, the Mary Jane Experience, a digital platform in these tough times to keep you grounded and informed about the cannabis industry, as well as destigmatization efforts. We are doing everything we can to try and engage the community of cannabis with new and awesome virtual events like the one coming up with Strawberry Squares. Strawberry, what are you doing this week? Sunday, April 12th at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, we are putting on a free virtual cannabis-enhanced meditation and connection. It's led by Gaia Surya, an intuitive somatic, which is a body-based counselor and devoted pr practitioner of mindfulness meditation. Join us in this cannabis-enhanced meditation because during these difficult times, we are all stressed, scared, depressed, and a variety of other things. So we invite you to come together with us as a community and let go. Awesome. And also in these challenging times, uh, we've decided to offer uh, discounted advertising packages. We know a lot of people's marketing efforts are kind of flipped around due to this whole COVID-19. So if you'd like to engage with your clients and customers and whatever that might be, if it's cannabis, if it's wellness, if it's just mindfulness in general, reach out to us. Let's collaborate. Let's do some fun stuff. So again, this week's episode is brought to you by the Mary Jane Experience podcast and media platform. Find information about the virtual event below or on our website. And if you're interested in advertising, reach out to us, info at maryjaneexperience.com. And now back to the fun. Here is Dr. Ellen talking with Strawberry Sequoia. So Ellen, I thought we would start with you telling us a little bit about yourself, your field of study, experiences, and things of that nature. All right. So I've been a family doctor for many, many years and uh, have um, enjoyed doing research over the last uh, few decades. And most of it has been in women's health. I've been doing abortions and contraception in my work and also in my research. In the last three and a half years, it's uh, been at least half my work and my research has been in assisted dying. So abortions and, and assisted dying are, are amazingly similar in many ways. They're basic human rights that, for which there's problems with access. So the reason I got involved in marijuana research was because I was looking at um, pain control for medical abortions. And so started with looking at how marijuana was used for period pain and then in, in medical abortions. And I had also been doing some other research on contraception with sexual side effects of hormonal contraception. So I had been doing both work on sex and on marijuana. Um, and my research associate, uh, Allie Just, she has said, let's put them together and uh, let's uh, research uh, how people use marijuana for sex. And so that's how we came to do this particular project. I love that. And I got to say, you know, I try not to be too biased on the podcast, but I definitely am a fan of everything that you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> 
And um, I, I think it's really interesting how, how that translated into a, a research study about sexual pleasure. And I am curious about what would be just the overall goals of, you know, this, this study and, and what was this particular study? Well, um, I mean, my, my focus was more on the issues around sexual pleasure and contraception and uh, on marijuana as, as pain and symptom control for abortions than, than this one. But uh, together, we decided that uh, there was a lot of general knowledge or belief that um, marijuana made sex better and no science, none. And when we looked into the science, it was the exact opposite. Uh, as in, when you look at the biochemistry of endocannabinoids and uh, what they, um, how they are related to sex hormones and so on, you would predict that uh, marijuana would make sex worse, that it would interfere with sexual pleasure. And we knew that, you know, the common belief around it was no, that it made it better. <laughs> and so uh, this made a, you know, a, a real interesting puzzle. Like why does the, does the biochemistry around uh, cannabinoids make you believe that it should interfere with sexual pleasure? And then you, you know, the, that people are specifically using it for it. So just wanted to understand more about this. It was really curious. Yeah, well, I guess that's the way most of the greatest things start is like a little curiosity. <laughs> so who did, who did you study? I mean, what type of people? Was it male, female? Uh, well, what we wanted was people who had experience using marijuana with sex. And that's all. We um, used social media. And we um, had, you know, got an online questionnaire that we designed with some other people, and we promoted it through various social media, through organizations that promoted uh, marijuana use, um, through the marijuana shops. At that point, I actually don't know where you are. Where are you from? So we're based out of Colorado. Um, okay. Yeah, Boulder. Right. So at the time we did the study, we had uh, legal medical marijuana in Canada, but not recreational. We have recreational now. We've had it um, now for a couple of years. But at that point, we had only legal medical marijuana. But it was um, widely used and widely so sold openly in shops without being prosecuted. So it was you know, socially acceptable enough that we had shops that said weeds on the outside and and yet theoretically only medical marijuana could be sold. But that's exactly what it was like in Colorado before you got your recreational. I, I remember that because I have a son living in uh, Colorado and, and we know that it was exactly the same, just you were a few years ahead of us. So we didn't, we don't, we did, we, we, this wasn't a population study. That's what I did, you know, in terms of looking at who used marijuana for medical abortions or, or that, that was a, a specific population. But this study, no, I was just, just wanting to find people who had experience with sex and marijuana. And so it was anybody who was interested in the subject and we advertised widely and 
gone are people. So, um, and we looked specifically uh, in areas where we expected people who were using marijuana. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> um, okay, so, and I, we have to circle back to this medical abortion study, but let's, let's finish this out because I, I want to find out essentially how, so you used um, an online survey, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was, I guess you would say your method, right? And, um, and so what did you find out? <laughs> well, we, um, uh, it was fascinating because we wanted to know how people used it, whether they used it specifically to enhance sex or whether they just happened to use sex, uh, to have sex when they happened to be using marijuana, and what effects they found, uh, what good ones, what bad ones, and what, you know, what worked and what didn't. And so what we found was, was interesting, and it helped explain the answer for why people felt it was helpful when it shouldn't have been. <laughs> and the issue was that it, it wasn't, it was, speci marijuana specifically increased sensitivity to touch, which is, of course, a general, but not, not a specifically sexual thing, but it is a general thing that one is more sensitive to touch. And it causes relaxation and that those were things that enhanced sex for people. The, the negative things around uh, when sex interfered, uh, sorry, when marijuana interfered with uh, sexual experience, it had to do with getting too sleepy, which of course would be a overdose, I mean a, a dosage related issue, because you have a little bit, you don't get sleepy, you get a little bit more, you get sleepy. So if they were too sleepy, then they'd kind of lose interest in sex, right? It wasn't as, it, uh, as good. And if they, of course, became agitated in some way, which some people get from marijuana, then, but again, that's usually a higher dose that might cause some agitation. So those were negative things. And the heightened sense of experience people found very, uh, you know, enhanced sex as well as other experiences, and uh, also um, a feeling of closeness and bonding with their partner. So those were the things, but you can see that that's not specifically sexual, that, you know, a closeness and bonding with a partner, you could naturally see would improve the quality of your sexual experience even though it isn't specifically related to sex hormones or the nerves around sex organs or, or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a general kind of thing, as is the general feeling of heightened sensation and, yeah, and intensity. Uh, so then it made sense, right, that you could have a substance that shouldn't work if you're looking at the actual effects on uh, endocannabinoids, uh, the endocannabinoid system in your body, because these aren't, these are the other aspects of sexuality, that co everything comes in together. It's not just nerves in your sexual organs and, you know, that 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 give you sexual pleasure. <laughs> it's a whole lot of stuff, right? So scientifically speaking, I guess, um, why would cannabis not be okay, like work for your endocannabinoid system? What does it not trigger or trigger that would be bad? 
so if you give it to rats, they have sex less often. If you look at the uh, sex hormones and cannabinoids in the in the in chemical stuff. Sorry, not a biochemist. Um, can't give you as really specific things. I quoted biochemists in the paper. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So that that's sort of yeah, your partner, which is great. And then seeing that it did work for things like connection, is that like a release of say oxytocin or something? Is that something that um, nobody is nobody has studied oxytocin levels related to okay. it? No. Just and throwing crazy shit out <laughs> yeah no no that's definitely something that you could look at but why why do people who are using marijuana together feel more connected what is it about marijuana that does that i don't think anybody knows yeah well and maybe that's something that at least here in the u.s we have these huge roadblocks on research, right? Because we're not federally legal, so people can't do. <laughs> you know, we're we're fed, federally legal in Canada, and there's still roadblocks to research. This kind of observational study, no problem. I could get uh, approvals for that. But when I was trying to do some randomized controlled trials, I could not get the substances, even though it's, it is legal for recreational use, it was also very complicated because, you know, for a randomized controlled trial, I didn't want to use fire and smoke. I wanted to use something uh, easier to manage in a research study. So I wanted oral oil drops. That seemed to be, but I could not get, because it had to, you know, for a research trial, it had to be, um, uh, standardized and and uh, approved through various levels and I couldn't get it um, it was really complicated so they and and yet lots of people can buy this stuff <laughs> I know right but this is actually gonna be one of my questions that I asked you is just like what are is it easier doing research in Canada and I guess it's just still so complicated yeah. you know I, I mean everybody's every time you see a scientific or medical paper on on um, effects of marijuana, um, they say more research is needed. Yeah, but it's really hard to get the right. I mean, I want I I only wanted to study stuff that that people had access to. I didn't want to study the synthetic versions that are a prescription drugs, um, you know, that are used in cancer care and so on. I wanted to use the stuff that you can buy in Colorado shops and in in Vancouver shops. You know, I, I, that's what I wanted, the stuff that people can buy. And there's so many places now that have recreational or what Colorado and Canada used to have, which was medical, legal, and it was sold everywhere. And, you know, it was no problem getting your medical marijuana for recreational use. And and so I, mean, I wanted to get that kind, but I didn't really want leaves. And uh, I wanted something just a little bit more, uh, a little bit easier to study. Couldn't get it. Uh, so it's still, it's still hard to do that research. Well, I think that's, gosh, it's just terrible, really, that our governments are, are lacking in, in that area i think it's so important i mean yeah legalize and, and make everything great but like legalize research anyhow uh, <laughs> well yeah i mean you have to get exactly so it it should be uh it should be easy in colorado to do 
good research and yet I don't think that your scientists are doing it either. It's not, well, a lot of the institutions that have the capabilities, you know, are things like universities, um, like well, Colorado yeah. University, CSU in, in Boulder, which is really close to us. And, you know, they are doing a lot of really innovative things, but they're just, they can't do what they should be doing because- Yeah, I mean, randomized controlled trials, which we need done as well as observational trials, which is what I did. Um, we definitely need, I mean, you know, I think that the kind of stuff I was doing is, is necessary first, just find out what people are using and what it does for them. In the observation draw we did on um, menstrual pain, uh, first of all, you know, all I wanted was to get a hold of women who had used marijuana for menstrual pain. And what I found was that, oh, I think 80% of the people who responded to my survey had extreme severe menstrual pain you know the kind that makes you writhe on the floor and vomit that kind of menstrual pain and uh, you know they had lots to tell me about how they use marijuana successfully for it and how they had tried everything else and nothing worked and uh, so uh, clearly uh, an important issue that we need to know about and yet this is this is one that is a little scary to, to talk about because who has the most severe menstrual pain? Teenagers. And are we going to recommend uh, marijuana in teenagers when it might be affecting grow, growing and developing brains? That, you know, highly unacceptable. <laughs> well, I'm curious about the, if there could be a side-by-side -side comparison of like Motrin, which is very used by people of all ages and yeah. cannabis of very sort of low, maybe just pain relief doses, but that's, yes, very taboo, yeah. not, it's just not ready yet. Oh yeah, and, and, and to do it in minors, uh, you know, uh, under 18 would be, uh, there's not a chance we could get any ethics uh, approval for that. <laughs> yeah, that's a protected group. Have to, have to use, um, Older women, of course, who aren't the ones who are, are so devastated by um, menstrual pain, but mm -hmm. some are. And so speaking of menstrual pain, you talked also about um, legal abortion pain, and I don't know exactly how they compare, but I'm really curious about what you found out about that. So what all we did with, with the abortion pain, um, what we were looking at was just what people were using. So we asked hundreds of women who uh, had uh, medical abortions what they used other than the prescription drugs that were given them. So marijuana being one of them. So it was being used, but not by a, by a high percentage. It's, the medical abortions feel like a really, really bad period. And so this is uh, with the, the pill, right? The pill, yeah. Yeah. That sort of medication, like I have personal experience with that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't use marijuana. I should have, but at the time, I didn't even. I mean, you know, it. it's a whole thing. And your and your doctor or nurse didn't suggest it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's very, very painful. And I think that this should be an option. And I wish I had used my. Well, I, 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 that's why I wanted to study it properly and know if it was something that we should be recommending what i do now i mean i provide medical abortions medication abortions 
And what I do is um, all of our patients are asked what drugs they use, both um, recreationally and, and medically. And so when I see that they are marijuana users, uh, I will then recommend it only, but never to somebody who doesn't say that they are using marijuana on a weekly basis. <laughs> I did not admit it. <laughs> yes, exactly. So if they say that they're using it, then I will talk about it and say uh, marijuana also helps. And, uh, they, uh, and they know what to do. But and I'm not going to ever recommend it until somebody does the trial that I was wanting to do, you know, um, randomized controlled trial and say, does this, does this work? Yeah. So you, would this be like a sort of a bucket list trial for you or, you know, something? No, I, I have um, veered around and do most of my clinical and research activities on assisted dying. Which is a fascinating thing. Um, I'm sure if anybody is listening to this episode and Googles your name, <laughs> the first 10 to 20 articles that come up are about how you were almost, uh, I think, convicted of, of murder almost. <laughs> and not, no, that's like a, an extreme exaggeration, but I thought, what a badass story. And maybe we should just bring that up for people real quick. <laughs> If you're okay with that. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah, no, there's no, no, no criminal uh, charges of any kind, uh, just uh, formal complaints of various sorts, because I work at the edge. <clears throat> I stay within the law all of the time, but um, work right up to the edge of the law. Well, what I just thought was so powerful about that was that you're clearly um, fighting really hard for your patients. Mm -hmm. and no matter what that means, even if people are going to give you a lot of shit for that. <laughs> I thought that was really special and, and made it so exciting to research you. So if you could do, if you looking at the industry as a whole, um, if, if considering the cannabis industry, if you could research any one thing wholly and completely without the law or government holding you down, what would you be the most interested in studying? Oh, exactly what I was trying to do a few years ago, which is a randomized controlled trial, um, placebo, on um, uh, how it handle, uh, how cannabis could could help uh, the symptoms of medical abortions. And the reason is that medical abortions they, they include pain, which is caused by the muscle contractions of the uterus, and nausea which is a direct medication effect as well as the effects of the pregnancy hormones. And there's a lot of stress involved. I mean, people are, are stressed about it. They're scared, they're um, worried. Uh, they're, I mean, it's just an upsetting time because uh, even if they know for sure that they don't want a baby at this time, um, there's sadness involved and there's, there's a difficulty. Um, and for some, it's a really tough decision. You know, they, they really want a baby, but you know, they just can't do it because of the money, because of the partner, because of, of something. And so they're really struggling. And so it, it seemed to me that marijuana, uh, you know, takes care of nausea better. I mean, that's why we use it in cancer patients who, who are vomiting from their chemotherapy. It, it, it works better than most of our other anti-nauseants. And it does something special about pain relief, particularly in uterine contraction pain, which is what we learned from the um, uh, menstrual period. And 
in addition, it causes some relaxation if it's at the right dose. And so if you can give one medication that, um, you know, is short acting, doesn't have long-term effects, and yet it could handle the nausea and the pain and some of the anxiety involved in a medical abortion, we could get people through them more easily and more hard. And so that's what I really would like to, to have um, somebody do. <laughs> I, I am 100% with you. I think that's really important. You know, I, I called you because I saw your article on sex and, you know, it's, it's fun and exciting and it's a fun thing to talk about, but this is so much more important to me. And I am so glad that this came up because I would love to, to just talk more about this and just to make this more of, more of something that just gets at least talked about so that people know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it, it just makes sense that this is what we would want to use. And so now that I'm working in end-of-life care more um, than abortion care, I see cannabis being used all the time, and it's being used for people who've never used it recreationally, um, you know, my 95-year-olds, uh, who, you know, are, are getting relief from terrible symptoms of their end-of-life uh, diseases of various kinds. Again, you know, with cancer, we're talking about the combination of nausea and pain and and distress, just sort of general distress that many people find cannabis is, is more useful than anything else that they try. And so it, it just makes sense that, uh, you know, we get more real research on this so that we can have people recommend, we'd know who it would work best in. Now, I mean, I personally used marijuana when I was young, but um, haven't in, oh, I don't know, 35 years or 40 years or something, because I had some of those, you know, just sort of distortions that you can get one time and just sort of thought, I'm never doing this again. And I haven't. And it was, you know, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, I would I try it again? Um, yeah, for, for pain and nausea, I would. And I would use, of course, CBD rather than THC and, and so on. But, you know, I don't have to. Um, I had my rheumatologist suggest that I use it topically on my arthritic joints. And uh, unfortunately, again, you know, I don't know if you have this problem in Colorado, but I couldn't get pure CBD oil. They, they had some salves that mixed up with all kinds of other things. And I got a rash from it. Um, got allergic to it. <laughs> I don't think I'm allergic to CBD. I hope not. Um, I suspect it was something else in there. Anyway, um, try it again when I can find some pure CBD oil. Yeah, well, and, and we do have, you know, 100 options and 99 of them have 18 different herbs and, you know, which is all supposed to enhance the experience. But there's, of course, a market for the, just the healing part. Not yeah, marketing yeah. voodoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it it is weird. It is it like this. The whole marketing around marijuana is weird. Like, why can't uh, we just get percentage? You know, a, a certain strengths of CBD or THC, whichever you want, um, and you can just uh, use it because that's what medically you want to know about. 
and use medically. And um, for some people, that's what they would want to use recreationally as well. They would like to know what percentage they're using, uh, percentage of THC versus CBD. They might want to be using recreationally and, and that would be great. But at this point, when you go in to look at what's marketed, it's got all kinds of great names. <laughs> which don't tell you what's going on. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my whole reason of starting this podcast is that it's just crazy out there and, and it's so hard to know what to believe. And so in my goal of educating, I've almost gotten more confused sometimes, but <laughs> the goal is to educate, <laughs> yeah. and to learn and to, you know, really make this something, it's a, it's a plant medicine. And we, if we can't do research with the government, we can at least take this anecdotal evidence and put it all into one place and uh, right. do what we can with that. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I mean, observational studies are not anecdotal evidence. It's more, it's better than that. You've got hundreds of people, yeah. you've got um, uh, percentages who, of people who react this way or that way, because they clearly people reacted idiosyncratically differently than, you know, one person reacts differently than another. And so uh, you want to know what kind of percentages uh, are involved and, and pre preferably who reacts more one way or another. And, uh, so that you can um, find out, um, yeah, and uh, and avoid the problems. I mean, you know, there are uh, uh, significant medical problems with marijuana. My son is an emergency doctor, and he gets to see people in with that vomiting crisis that some people get from um, uh, using um, a fair bit of marijuana. They start intractable vomiting now i mean marijuana is is so perfect at treating vomiting that's why we use it in cancer patients and yet it can cause it too and so why like what who is it causing vomiting and who is it stopping vomiting and i'd really like to know that <laughs> yeah, and uh, who is it making, you know, happy and relaxed? And who is it making paranoid and agitated? You know, why? Um, and what what is doing that? You know, I mean, I think what's so interesting now is just the different forms and the different uh, cannabinoids. You don't need yeah. THC, Delta 9, the one that gets you high. There's a million other, well, maybe I don't know exactly how Not many. Not a million, there, but a lot. But <laughs> a lot of other ones that are... Um, showing really promising things. It's just fascinating. It yeah. is. And, and we really want to know this because, you know, it's, it's so valuable in, in this area and this area and this area. And we need to um, know a lot more about it. Um, you know, why does it work so brilliantly in the most severe epilepsy? And um, nobody knows, but they know it does. So. Um, if nothing else works, try cannabis. It's a really complex thing and we certainly need more research. And yes, how are we gonna get more research if we don't have a good way of getting the, the substances we need? And, the, and again, I, I, I say I, I don't want some kind of substance that uh, isn't what people buy. I want what people actually can get a hold of in the shops. Yeah, you don't want to have to like go to a pharmaceutical company that's no. molecular, like 
breaking things down to just like one yeah. piece of CBD. Yeah, I mean, want some, I mean, sure, it, it's fine to have a tincture or an oil or something like that uh, rather than leaves because, you know, if you have to smoke leaves, we know that smoking isn't particularly good for people no matter what they smoke. Um, and fires can cause problems and, and so on. So it'd be nice not to have to use that. Uh, I'm all about the, uh, well, the tinctures. And just a little while ago, I tried for the first time a transdermal patch, which I, I, I just think that there's so many other healthy options these days. And with the legalization of marijuana, we're, we're able to introduce actual healthy methods to the market which is really mm. special as opposed to just like people smoking bongs <laughs> I mean, again because it just doesn't seem like smoke in your lungs is a great thing um uh and and so love like to get away from that obviously vaping hasn't been the answer because that seems to be causing uh damage to lungs as well uh, it sounded like it was going to be so great to protect lungs, but no, it's not. Ingesting is is probably the best, but again, how and and uh, what? We don't know these answers. Yeah, well, in thinking about the future, if you had to, say, give a one, five, and ten-year prediction, what would your predictions be? Oh, all right. Well, I'm sure that people will do some real research, um, uh, both in the biochemistry realm as well as more practical realm of what should be used in arthritis and in cancer and in epilepsy and, and so on, those things. Uh, and preferably with plant as opposed to with some synthetic versions. Uh, so yeah, I think that's going to happen. And that 10 years from now, we'll have answers to all these, a lot of these questions that you and I have. I definitely hope so. We're, we're looking forward to a better world. Well, thank you so, so much for this interview. I'm so excited to share this information and to continue to research. And we just really appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Bye. Lovely, lovely evening. Okay, thanks. Very interesting conversation there. Again, I always love when we talk to doctors because they are so, like, they're very pointed and exacting in the way that they do things. Thank God they're not like the aloof idiot like myself. <laughs> so it's great to have these conversations where, <clears throat> and she brings up kind of an interesting uh, point there in the middle about how all the science in rats would point to cannabis being bad for sex, but in actual practice, turns out that it's good because it creates connection. It, you know, has stress relieving characteristics. So it allows you to kind of be more in touch with the actual act of sex be it with a partner yourself or multiple partners whatever you're into no judgment um so yeah it's crazy interesting talking to doctors i love it yeah well the relaxation required to you know be with a partner in a sexual way um, i think it's important to note that she did bring up dosage yeah. as well so you know if you smoke too much weed and you just want to go to sleep mm -hmm. 
then that's not going to enhance your sexual pleasure. (laughs) So you need to know yourself and know what dose works for you. It's almost like we used to joke about beer pong, you know, like between like (laughs) two to four beers, you're just awesome. Like once you get to beer six, you're just like, it's downhill from there. Guys, side note, Casey Jones (laughs) was in a fraternity, founded (laughs) a fraternity. So like frat boy Uh, over here with his beer pong. The the only way I was going to join a frat was to kind of help start it and be friends with the people that started it so anyway that's <laughs> i had to point. call you out that's that's fair i like specifically <laughs> always in my mind was like i would never date a frat boy like ever oh, you're married to one and now i'm <laughs> married to one so just like fun tidbit back to the subject here um you know then we we go into a little bit about research and how hard it is even in canada where it's federally legal yeah. and Still. we go into cannabis for pain which we are we know cannabis is very effective for pain so of course oh, it's yeah. good for menstrual pain and uh, medical abortion pain yeah and i was just talking to a good friend of ours in the industry and he was kind of laughing about it and you know because people make claims about their products and it's like people that do suppositories and stuff it's like of course like yes cannabis works for pain and if you put it in an orifice that absorbs things very well i.e rectally vaginally or orally like yeah it's gonna kill the pain (laughs) i couldn't think of anally like i don't know how you say it. i guess it's rectally i'm not a doctor funny because i'm immature (laughs) but um but yeah so obviously more studies need to need to take place um unfortunately she never really fully got to do the studies that she wanted to do and again common story we hear from everybody yeah they're like study this please the anecdotally and like we we just like we basically know but we really want to know the full science and make this real and the government won't let us so um, that's just the way it is for now and hopefully that changes um unfortunately like i can't believe in canada it's federally legal it's legal everywhere right and they still not technically everywhere but on on a federal level yes descheduled yeah and they still struggle super hard to do good research with actual yeah. flour and i mean it you can see it still you know the the destigmatization effort on a federal level is challenging because a lot of states have deemed dispensaries necessary during these times of covid-19 but they can't receive any sba forgivable loans to help yeah. stay open because they're selling schedule 1 narcotics so you know, it's it's a crazy landscape out there. Um, as our efforts continue and grow, which we are growing, which is awesome, hopefully we can kind of make some inroads. And we did uh, MPP, the Marijuana Policy Project, last week as well. We spoke with them. So there are people out there going to change it. Um, yeah, unfortunately, coronavirus is not doing anything good for legalization efforts. No, everything's shelved now. Which yeah, is, Which, stalled. again, is understandable. Like, yeah. We have an international pandemic going on, like, I, I get it. <laughs> it's tough, though. But it's setting us back a little People bit. People but... still need medicine. And speaking yeah. of coming up, one of our next episodes is uh, actually about how you can get your med card from the comfort and safety of your own home during these times. That's right. Telemedicine is allowing you to get your medical marijuana card so you can order your marijuana online and then go to your drive through dispensary and pick it up. <laughs> yeah. So especially for cool those of you in states that are only medical and you don't want to leave your house to meet up with your drug dealer and get your weed because you're stuck in quarantine really great option for you if you have any questions let us know and that brings us to our classic ending if you have any questions let us know 
get engaged, be a part of the conversation. Yeah. You can do it anonymously. We you, love when you reach out. It just absolutely. like warms our heart and it really inspires us. We've done some full episodes based on just people's recommendations. Absolutely. So reach out. Info at MaryJaneExperience.com. MaryJaneExperience.com is our website. You can find us on all of these social media channels, except for we haven't done TikTok yet because... We have We're one. We have a TikTok? Yeah, oh I put one video up of you rubbing CBD salve on your leg. Wow. We even have a TikTok. We have a TikTok. I didn't yeah. even know we have a TikTok. I anyway. really have not managed it. I'm going to I'm trying to learn some dance moves in quarantine cuz that's what everybody does on yeah. there. We even have a Snapchat. I've done we one have a Snapchat? video. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> but also, so anyway. as we mentioned earlier, we have some really fun virtual events coming up. The first one is actually this Sunday, which is a cannabis-enhanced meditation. So please join us. It's free, and it's with an intuitive somatic counselor. She is an absolute angel. I love her. I actually go to her for intuitive healing sessions myself. So, And if you're listening to this podcast after this week, uh, what's the date? April 10th is the event? Uh, 12th. 12th. Sorry. If it's after April twelfth, we're still going to be doing other cool virtual events. So just stay in touch. Yeah, come along with us. This ride is going to be a crazy roller coaster. I'm excited about cannabis trivia night. Oh, cannabis we're going to be giving away a bunch great. of prizes. <laughs> yep. We don't have an exact date for that yet, but it's going to be in a couple weeks, and you're going to be able to win all sorts of like CBD products and bongs and stuff. So yeah, we have a if bunch you of, know like, a bunch of shit about cannabis, yeah. if you listen to our podcast you have a higher likelihood of winning. <laughs> so if you haven't binged all of the Mary Jane Experience episodes, I think we're up to like 47, 45, something like that. Uh, go ahead and go do that now. Um, it might win you a bong. Anyway, <clears throat> I would like to, again, sincerely thank Dr. Ellen Weeb for coming on our podcast this week. If you have questions for her or for us, by all means, reach out. Or if you have suggestions for topics you want to hear about, let us As know. As we said. <laughs> As we said, uh, we are the Mary Jane Experience Podcast. I'm Casey we love Jones. You so much. That's Strawberry Sequoia. That's Daisy Jane. We love Ruff. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting Good night, weird stoners. in quarantine. Peace out, potheads. We got to keep them fucking lights on, kids. Um, this week's podcast is brought to you by Daisy Jane. Daisy is a 10 pound, 5 ounce little baby Chewini dog who is. Trying to rid the world of every single form of varmin from squirrel, field mouse, all the way up to chipmunk and black bear. She does her best work, mostly in the summertime. She likes snuggles, warm fireplaces, and anything that smells like dead animals. Chowinies, brought to you by Daisy Jane. <laughs>